Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. We're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. This is episode 149. 149. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, uh, we're in like the third episode of the Doomsday Chronicles. Uh, coronavirus has wiped out uh, thousands and the morons running the economy have wiped out tens of thousands. So um, it's another day in paradise, bud. How's it going? Quarantine at your house recording. <laughs> we got Nate. We got to get a name for Josh. We got speaker, the prophet of doom, Josh, the host of gloom or something uh, like that. We got to, we got to get something like Shelton. that. Um, What's that? Jeremiah Shelton or Jeremiah Shelton. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, oh dang. Uh, we could go the, the full Indian territory route and call him pale face who doesn't stop crying about the oil industry. <laughs> um, or we could just call him Downer Josh. Josh uh, it, Downer. These are all these are all acceptable, acceptable titles. Um, hey, hey, I'm, I think, I'm excited today. I, I was ready to get on here and roast some idiots. I was, I was not doom and gloom. It's. So for the audience perspective, it's 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 ten eighteen or ten nineteen. We usually start recording at ten. The last eighteen minutes, Josh just been right <laughs> So so there's a little bit of a backstory here. A little bit of a backstory here. Listeners, oh, join the petition gosh. today to rename Josh legally as Everything Sucks Shelton. <laughs> <laughs> It does suck. I got to be honest with you. WTI right now is just over $20, uh, just shy of $20.50, so $20.49. It's like, oh, man. WTI, and there's a report man. out there from Reuters is going to get down to 10 potentially. It's like, oh, oh, no. Like, that's just like that's just depressing. Let's hope that's not true. Um, so before we get in the show, Josh, I didn't, I didn't even think uh, Clements Fluids had me on their morning call this morning. Thank God they didn't have you on. It would have been... <laughs> what <laughs> you told him go home retire go do something else but uh Clemens fluid had me on so thank you to those guys for having me on their their uh i guess it's their monday call or morning call or whatever call it is and so uh enjoyed talking with them and uh we'll link to their website in the show notes which is Clemens with an s fluids.com and they are uh Trusted provider for your drilling, completion, or workover needs in Texas, Louisiana, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. But anyways, so thanks to those guys having the call this morning. I had a good time with them. And uh, anyways, so it was, it was a lot more chipper than it was talking to you, Josh. It's, it's, it's funny how that works. Well, we're getting into something pretty chipper here, Ryan. We got some news out in the industry. Chevron and Eagle Claw are donating. Uh, let's see, Chevron was donating 230000 Eagle Claw donates 50000 to nonprofits and first responders. So uh, good news, good news, uh, industry stepping up, trying to help out. Um, I don't know, uh, well, I don't, I don't wanna say anything negative, Ryan. I think uh, it's a lot of money, it'll fix all the problems. <laughs> I don't know how they're gonna cut these checks, but I'm just saying it's nice to see they're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll employ at least three out of the 100,000. It's getting laid off. <laughs> <laughs> that will be so nice. <laughs> oh gracious! 
<laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, Chevron and Eagle Hall for, for donating. We we appreciate that. Uh, Nate and I do. Josh is <laughs> he's not very happy. Uh, next article, next article. Hard energy. <laughs> uh, U.S. Shell executive warns global oil glut will not clear soon. Uh, I didn't write that article. Uh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't name it. Uh, this, is, this is coming from them. Um, I've seen several posts, not just this one, but several that are looking at uh, six months to, to get some of this stuff lined out, which um, in coronavirus years is a long time. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. This is coming from EOG, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yep. yep. And they're pretty reliable. Uh, I say pretty reliable. They're pretty good. They're pretty good with uh, with some of their projections. So they're they're saying, look, this there's no there's no switch we can flip and we can't join OPEC and flip this thing. We can't tariff the Saudi oil and just fix this thing uh, the way people are thinking. Uh, it is there's not an easy fix. Yeah, you know the, the the real hope here, I think, at this point is if you sit there and go, okay, India shut down for two or three weeks now, South Africa shut down, we're shut down to April, now, the UK somewhat shut down until June, so like, oh, but you know, if you can get a two to three week shutdown globally, um, I was talking to an analyst yesterday or this weekend about it. You know, what you're going to see is you're going to see the, the amount of debt that's going out there. And just on a side note, folks, if you are in the business world and you have not read about the stimulus loans that are out there, please go look at those. They're uh, favorable for uh, for you to go get a loan to keep folks employed. So go, go check that out. Uh, it might be something that's going to help you out this time. It ain't going to help you out until the oil comes back around, but for a couple months or whatever, it might, might kind of push you on down the road a little bit. Anyways, um, and... I said, you know, I was asking him what, what he thought about the debt, you know, all the debt, because we're, we're printing a bunch of fake money uh, to give out loans like this and all kinds of stuff, you know, and he kind of theorized that folks are just going to kind of back out and not pay it. Uh, the, 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 um, the nation states won't be paying it. And so um, and it's be interesting to see how all this money reshifts. But my point is, Josh, is that you might, it is possible that, you know, if May 1 rolls around, and all of the, all of the governments kind of go, okay, you know, we're, we're past coronavirus. We're ready to roll and we're going to print money, put people to work and, um, you know, you know, get planes flying again. Cause you gotta think planes aren't flying, bulldozers aren't going, you know, trucks are on the road. There's a lot of, a lot of things. It could see a, a temporary surge in the price of oil. So we could be sitting here in June going, wow, rolls up to $40 a barrel. I think the concern is, and I'm not saying it's going to hit 40. I'm just, just kind of making up some numbers here. Let's say it does get to 40 by June. I think the problem is, is since it's artificially kind of stimulated, can it hold that price? Or will you be going, oh my gracious, you know, we got so much oil, we're at max capacity. So um, I, I do think it is possible to see a nice little spike, but I don't know, you know, it's, it's like the reverse dead cat bounce almost. Or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, dead cat bounce, you know, you drop the cat and bounces. So you might see something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you kind of got to buckle down and say, this is probably going to be what we're seeing for the rest of the year. And there's no, there's no indicator to make you feel confident at least in uh, June, July, August, September, that the economy is going to be going. Um, we have seen shell U S shell respond to start taking off rigs. And so that's going to take off barrels. Um, and then globally you're starting to see news of people shutting in wells as well. So, 
the faster that happens, the quicker the supply comes off of the line, um, the sooner the market can be balanced. But yeah, I, I think we're, we're still ways out. Hope, so, and I hope, I hope we're wrong. Yeah. It's one of those deals where we want to come back in June and be like, ah, wow, that was stupid. You know, old and hard order barrel. How dumb could we be? You know, so that's uh, that's me wanting to be wrong there. Yeah, we'd um, love to be done this time. We'd love it. There's maybe a, the there's first a, time in 140 episodes that we're due, I guess, to be wrong. Yeah, well, we've been we're, directing international policies long enough now. It's yeah, just time to make a one boo-boo. One boo-boo, yep. So MRT, uh, kind of playing off the EOG research from Heart Energy, uh, this MRT article, researchers expect industry slowdown will intensify in the second half of the year. So this is kind of playing along that same line. Uh, the numbers here, uh, this the, the author of this article says the cure for low prices is low prices. That's right. The industry won't see the beginnings of a longer term price recovery until next year. And then she has a... Uh, a bullish outlook on oil saying that by 2023 prices are going to be very strong for very long. Um, so there are, there are some good things uh, for people that are, that are able to weather the storm is once it turns next year, it really should, it really should be a long-term fix. Now the issue is, is we don't know that for sure things could happen, but um, there are some positive signs for a, a longer uh, higher for longer prices in oil. So that's that's one positive through all this. Yeah, I, I think moving forward, I think we're going to have to, you know, I think the question that's unknown at this point is how will the global economy respond to um, being shut down moving forward? So there's a lot of ways this could play out, but you could see it playing out to where uh, people are you know, in financial bad shape and they're like, you know what? I don't care what the government says. I got to work. People could say, man, the government gave a bunch of money last time. I don't care. Let's shut down more often. You know, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, positions between in between there. Um, but what's happening this time is, is that the world is being told to shut down and the world is shutting down. Um, so the question that I think that has to be answered, if the coronavirus, because this isn't, listen, we've had this fine food. We've had SARS. This is not the first viral outbreak in our lifetime. And it's not going to be the last. Um, so the question I think that has to be answered and it cannot be answered until we get through this one and maybe to the next one, depends on how, how far away that is. Is you know, how does the global economy uh, respond to these viral outbreaks in the future? Do they say, oh, this is a great opportunity to take off the paid vacation. The government's going to bail me out and I'm going to hang up the house. Or do they look back to 2020 and go, wow, that messed me up financially for three years. And you know, I can't, I can't afford to be sitting in the house. And so, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to go do what I want to do. So I think that's really the thing, because if you would have said if you know when coronavirus was when we were talking about the prices being good in the second half of this year, that was in January. Coronavirus was happening in China. We didn't expect the world to literally shut down, you know. And so mm -hmm. now that you see that that's a possibility, that was something that you would not have considered a possibility just six months ago. The world was shutting down. And so um, now that you then now that this is a possible option that the global economy stops is this going to be repeated or not? And I, and I don't know that answer. So I was very bullish on long-term price of oil, but if we're going to have these start stops and these are massive start stops in the global economy, um, I don't know how that impacts oil prices and investment. And, you know, there's so many factors that go into this. Um, I don't know what it does for the long-term price of oil. And I hate to be kind of like 
you know, Josh Shelton doom and gloom here. I'm just saying that it, it, this is a new factor that I don't know how it impacts the price well, and the market, you know, you know, five years, 10 years when a new swine flu or coronavirus or whatever breaks out. So like, here's, here's one of my, one of my, I guess, as a thought experiment, if, if you were to go back, say 400 years and something like this broke out, would farmers stop farming? Would people stop dealing with animals? And I mean, it, just because there's a, there's a viral outbreak doesn't mean people stop eating and drinking. Um, relying on the government to just give everyone everything they need while nothing is being produced. That's a fairy tale. That's, that's not, that is not going to work. That, that is going to, that's going to lead to ruin. I mean, there's, there's no one with a, with a, functioning brain that's going to believe that that is actually going to be a solution for a, a country long-term repetitively. Right. So I, I just don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how people are thinking about this, that when something like this happens, that people will stop needing water, food, basic necessities. It it's needed. And and we've developed as a, as a country and the people that, that want, uh, and I would even say need a lot more than just those basic necessities. So, those needs don't go away just because there's a viral outbreak. Uh, so while we should practice um, some sanitary guidelines and, and have CDC put out things that we should follow, shutting down everything is, is it just does, it doesn't quite make sense to me. I, I don't understand why people think that's a valid way to do things. I, I think it's a uh, socialistic thinking that has, I think brainwashed people. I, I don't know if brainwash is the best word, but people are thinking about it about the government being, you know, their, their, their dad or their provider to, mm. to give them all this stuff. And that's just not, I mean, you're in dangerous territory there. I, I just, I, I don't agree with it and, and don't like the, the decision or even the, the, the thought that makes that even possible. It's just terrible. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm sympathetic to right now, you know, because on some level we're sitting here realizing just how helpless we are, you know, the, the freaking world has just ruined our industry and it's got nothing to do with what we're doing. Right. We're just going about doing our business. And, uh, and next thing you know, you're sitting there going, Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, people are losing jobs by the thousands. And so you go, God, we need someone to fix this. We need someone to fix this. And so I understand the, the desire, the thought to, to look towards someone to say, fix this. That's, that's natural. We always want, we want someone to fix something for us, but I do think you're onto something there that a lot of the ideas that are being pushed um, are very dangerous because long term, and I was talking about this on this call with the, the climate fluids about Ryan Sitton about some of his rhetoric. It's like, okay, you know, we've got to quit saying we're talking about private landowners that we're wasting our resources. They're not our resources; they're the private landowners' resources. And I talk about the federal government would be one thing. Um, talk, you know, which about flaring. So if, if a private landowner wants to flare, then the, there's a discussion around if he can't flare, if he's making money because he's selling his oil. Are, you know, there, there's property rights and stuff like that involved. Um, and right now what you're seeing is, is these solutions where, um, you know, the long-term impact. And again, it's, you know, when I say I hate all politicians, I hate them all. You know, if you're a Trump guy and you're Trump's in office right now, you have Trump's going to fix it. Well, the things that Trump are doing, he won't be in office potentially in three months, four months, right? It's, it's, it's not unlikely that he gets voted out in a few months. Um, but if not, he'll be, he'll be gone in four years. So just keep that in mind that the precedents that we're setting now um, to fix these problems are things that the government will use. And we can see that because Trump is pulling from Korean wartime uh, language to get companies to make the manufacture the goods that he wants to manufacture. 
Um, and so, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I do understand, Josh, that, that people feel helpless and they want something to happen. It's just, just remember that, um, you know, be careful what you wish for because, uh, in six or eight months, it might, might be someone else running the show. And then you're like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't want Joe Biden doing this. That's, that's, and Joe Biden don't care what you think at that point. He's got the, he's got the, the mandate. So, um, it reminds me of the police officers when they arrest you, whatever you say can and will be. We use, we'll be using against you. Law. Law. So that's that's what we're doing. We're <laughs> we're we're giving them we're giving them com- complete. I say uh, complete. We're giving them a significant amount of our freedom and liberty, and mm. and that's going to be used against us. Yeah, whichever side you agree with. So the people that gave up the liberty under Obama, oh, they hated it under Trump. Yeah, no, yeah, this is the same yeah. thing. Uh, well, say we. Yeah, this- yeah, this goes back to, I mean, just in our lifetime, for most of our listeners, if you just go back to 9-11 and, and you know, some of the laws that were passed post-9-11. They were terrible. You know, right. And so those Obama, are, though, that's, they're terrible. Right. And so you can go back to any president and, and, and find this. It's uh, And I hadn't got a chance to look through. I just I just saw someone sent me a thing for the, they went through the 800-page stimulus bill. 800 pages of stimulus bill. So keep that in mind. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> Nate will probably be the one, only one on the show that actually reads the full thing. But, uh Nate, are you going to read the stimulus package, Bill? Ryan, why would I do that when I could watch paint dry? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I knocked my headphone off. What'd you say? I said, why would I do that when I can watch grass grow? Why would I do that <laughs> when I can watch clouds across the sky? Why would I do well, that when I can watch my neighbors wash their balconies? Legislation is the 9/11 commission report. What? You've been reading the 9/11 commission report, so I I thought this might be up your speed. Yeah, I just finished it. It was terrible. They recommended (laughs) passing the Patriot Act. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, just so you know, my take on the uh, we don't know your take, Josh. On the stimulus bill. (laughs) On the stimulus bill. So all these people that are for it. um, Not to say that there won't be benefits that I'll receive from it, and I won't take them. It was a terrible bill. It was horrible for our country, horrible for the economy. What they should have did was lifted all the regulations, let people go back to work. That's what they should have did because that that would actually fix these things in a, in a long-term way. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I was telling my son the other day, um, they passed, I can't remember what they were doing. They did something. And uh, I said, you know, the one thing that they can do is the things that they should have done already. Like, the, the, like, the deregulation of things like there was, you know, they're letting truck drivers drive more hours or something like that. It's like, right. Yeah. So they can deliver they can, alcohol to your houses. Yeah. You can deliver alcohol to your houses now. And, and I love it when the, when they come out like, Hey, we're here with you guys. We're going to deregulate this thing. It's like, what? wait, wait, hold on. So you mean this was pointless to begin with? That's, that's, that's essentially what you're saying. This is pointless. To begin with. So anyways. All right. Guest opinion. Trump should put tariff on oil imported from Saudi Arabia. Here we go. Kirk Edwards, Odessa-based <laughs> independent oil and gas producer. That is his opinion. Ryan, what do you think about That's not putting... your opinion, is it? No. That is <laughs> that is not my opinion. I think I think at this point, if we want to do a bunch of dumb stuff, we can just do stuff like that and just try all kinds of stuff. We can tariff oil. We can make oil free, make gasoline free. Um, yeah. We can just do, I mean, let's try a bunch of stuff. So part of what he's saying here, I agree with. This is part. He says, "I asked the president to quit defending Saudi Arabia with our troops and our aircraft carriers, and oh, start yeah. defending your most critical domestic industry." 
well, the last part I don't disagree with, but yeah, let's, you know, if we, you know, it's, this is the debate and we're not, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but you know, um, yeah, let's, let's quit sending foreign aid to every country in the world. That would be now we're fantastic. Talking. That'd yeah. be fantastic. Let's pull our troops out of these mindless wars that are costing us trillions and trillions of dollars. That would be fantastic. And you know, Josh, I'm not saying if the, if the U S didn't have a surplus and we weren't in, you know, multi-trillion dollar debt. You know, we had if we had trillions of dollars of cash sitting around, just cash, just straight cash, homie. Of course, I'd be mad they taxed us too much. But, but at least then you go, okay, we're gonna shut this thing down for a few months. We we got you. We're gonna cover everybody. It's like you know, it's like your boss giving you a little vacation time. He's got you. Go go get a vacation. We don't have that. So I do agree that if you want to pull the the you know stop fitting the Saudis with the troops and the aircraft carriers, but don't get mad when the Saudis then don't listen to you because you can't use the military to influence them. You can't have it both ways. And that's the thing here with these deals, it's like, okay, well, so you're going to place a $40 a barrel tariff on the Saudi oil. Um, Nature, the resident scholar on this podcast, who pays for a tariff like that? Did we lose Nate? No, no, I'm still here. Um, the people who pay for a tariff like that are the consumers because in order to pay for the tariff on the good, the producer or the importer and exporter has to raise their prices in order to offset the cost of paying the tariff. So, Mr. Trump, the consumer here would be when potentially the, when a tariff is put in place, the people who have to pay for it are us, the okay. American Thank people. You. American people, right? And if the Saudis did pay for it, we would just probably subsidize that back to them, anyways, right? Yeah, something so, like I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, when we, you know, Nate and I were working on a deal, bringing in some stuff with tariffs last year, um, and it was quite frustrating. Um, and the tariffs again, and so I don't. I don't quite understand. frustrating. It was a freaking headache. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't even understand what what the tariff would generate. Nearly one point two five billion per month to the federal government. The government can then direct the revenue back to the oil-producing states like Texas, Louisiana, New Mexico, Oklahoma in an effort to help those states that are being massively impaired by the current dumping of Saudi Arabia. Filling the strategic reserve with $20 oil does nothing for the American energy producer. I agree with that. We need jobs. We need a price we can uh, economically drill for, and $20 grows from the end of it. So if you falsely signal to the market, let's go back to what happened in the steel market here. Um, and we know people that were directly impacted by this. Trump announced tariffs on the steel. And we had a story back then on that. And I know talking to people offline, the price of steel was, you know, was high, went through the roof. People started buying it because they were trying to buy it before the tariffs because it caused uncertainty. So then you had all the steel come in and then the price dropped, especially on the products that we use here in the States. And the price dropped after that because now it was cheaper to potentially import it than it was to use the stuff. So I know a guy you know, that, you know, they bought a bunch of stuff before the tariffs went in place. And then after the tariff went in place, the steel became cheaper than it did before the tariffs. And so it was cheaper to buy the steel with the tariff. And so they had a bunch of inventory sitting around. So I was like, well, yeah, yeah that, that, that didn't do any good to those guys. So that, that, that hurt American um, business people um, in that. And so, and then, you know, do you, do you actually, I don't know, I don't know this can at all, but do you actually think that if, if the government is going to take uh, the $20, the, the, the tariff, and the 1.25 billion per month, they're going to allocate it properly. Like that's the real question. What yeah. about our federal government thinks that, that 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 they're going to take this money and use it for anything other than waste? And these this is where the rubber really hits the road. 
let's say that we did think this was going to be the good, uh, a viable option. Like economically, we agreed with tariffs. You would still have to deal with the logistical fact of where's the money going to come in and how is it going to go out. And there is a zero, zero percent chance that this goes uh, uh, properly distributed to where it needs to go. And it's, it's like that part of the argument almost always gets omitted. It's like, yeah, we're going to tear off them and we're going to make this money and we're going to send it to people. It's like, well, who? Who, who determines? You, you got these states here. Well, who determines in those states what gets it? How much do they get? Um, you know, how often do they get it? You know, do, do they have to comply? Do they have to give certain, you know, like, I mean, there's all kinds of questions that are just, that are just brushed under. And they sound good. I'm not trying to be too critical, but again, it's just one of those things when you start looking at it and you start trying to just use a little common sense, it's like, mm, it's probably not going to work. I know. And I'm not an anti-Trump guy. I'm an anti-politician guy. So I don't like any of them, but I just think that these ideas, they sound really good and they get a lot of traction on LinkedIn and social media, but you start kind of picking at it like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's probably not going to work. So that's my two cents on. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that sounds really good, but it, it has 0% chance of success. I'd say. Yeah. And who's going to buy our oil for $40 just to be clear. Not a gold darn person. <laughs> like who's gonna who's gonna so we're we're saying, well, we're setting a false price of forty dollars a barrel. Uh we're gonna sell you our oil for four dollars a barrel. Mm, yeah, and that's yeah, okay. Uh and even if they did, well even if they did you just go into this again, even if they did, it just hurts people and raising the price it's, it's I'm going to send Nate a link to some books and we will put these in the show notes. And these will be very helpful if you're thinking Josh and I are crazy, but there are some economic books that will be very helpful to kind of understand uh, just kind of some, just, just some high level stuff. So anyways, think are crazy. Here's some economic books for you. And uh, we'll link to those in the show notes. Josh, why are you going to, I was doing good, man. I was doing good this morning. I'm bummed out, but I was doing good. And then, you're like it's not my fault. It's it's the it's the news. It's the news. It's it's the politicians and the news. It's their fault. It's all their it's, fault. It's Stephanie the intern. She picked it's all Stephanie these stories. The intern. That's right. Stephanie, she gave me the stories. stories. Pick some good woke, stories, Stephanie. I woke up this morning. I read these stories. And I was pissed and uh, just hadn't hadn't got it turned around yet. Uh, so we we got a little ways to go. Um, we we got at least. Ten more stories here, so uh, <laughs> we can't do ten more. Hey Ryan, yeah, can I suggest something to make the uh, Texas Oil and Gas podcast more laid back and enjoyable in the coming weeks? We don't record. <laughs> I say no. I say that we take up a subscription for every Monday, and every Saturday we buy Josh Shelton a a fifth of Jack and require that he consume at least a quarter of it before recording on Monday. Well, that would be yeah. entertaining. We might not be able to understand him after that point, but he would be much more enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, I wouldn't care anymore. He was just, just hanging out. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, that, that I'll, I'll take that at this point. We'll All, split right, so, All right, so G20 may step into Saudi-Russia oil price war. Uh, so we've, we've been looking at, um, at some of this. So the 20 major uh, economy nations in the European na- Union are holding an emergency virtual meeting to discuss ways to coordinate a response to the pandemic. Daniel Jurgen, vice chairman of IHS Market, wrote in a column in the Washington Post that similar coordination is essential in heading off the economic damage caused by the unprecedented oversupply of oil. Hmm. So the oversupply of oil that's unprecedented is a result of idiot economists 
uh, and I don't want to blame it on the economists. It's people that don't understand the economy making decisions that affect the economy without any regard for the economy is leading to unprecedented oversupply of oil and thousands of job layoffs and, uh, and all the rest. Well, yeah, and you do have to, I mean, it, it, you do have to admit that the Russians and the Saudis are, 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 uh, are contributing to it, right? Oh, yeah. But, you know, so it, so it's, but it's, it's, it's a multi, it's a multifaceted problem here. The Russians and the Saudis, you know, were like the kick to the crotch, and then the, the coronavirus was a stole cold stunner. You know, that's what, that's what we got going on here. And so the Russians and the Saudis are not responding to, like you said earlier, the cure for low prices is low prices. Well, the Saudis and the Russians aren't responding to that, that, that that market pressure and so they're trying to uh, lay the hammer on everyone else so you have that going on but the but but even that aside the demand is just gone there is no demand as you mentioned because people are uh, you know shutting down the economy and so um you know here's here's a quote this is from i believe jurgen yeah everything depends on how the crisis plays out in the coming days but our organization IHS market estimates that the drop in consumption could range from 10 to 15 million barrels, 10 to 15 million barrels per day in the next four to eight weeks, or up to 15% of global demand. That would be a staggering, never, never seen before decline. The market could not even begin to cope with the surplus of that magnitude. So that's what we're talking about. And, and, and then, so, so you, so you say the demand drop has nothing to do with the Russians and the Saudis, you know, they're not, well, I mean, I guess their economies could be dropping uh, participant as well, but but you know the global economy is looking to lose fifteen uh, percent of global demand in the next four to eight weeks. Okay, so the, so that's that's a terrible problem by itself. And then you have the Russians and the Saudis over here who are again you know just continuing to curb stomp you while you're already knocked out. So you wake up and you look like a jack o' lantern, you know. And so that's the that's the issue. And so. Yeah, we want the Russians and the Saudis to stop drilling because it'd be nice to get the price up, but we've got to get the global demand going too. Yeah, that's... Or, so it's it's, it's it, you can't make it a flat problem. Um, you can't say it's just the Russians and the Saudis, or it's just the um, or it's well, just the. Uh, here's the thing, though, and one of the one of my thoughts here is is if if demand was to be turned back on, if everybody opened up right now assuming unemployments are not going to be uh, longer term effects there. Mm-hmm. Just assume that everything can get back to where it was as far as demand goes. Mm-hmm. And the Saudis and the Russians are, are fighting and, and uh, they have their, their oil price war. That oil price war will work itself out in a way that won't jeopardize all of the economy. The oil and gas will, of, will yeah. the oil and gas will definitely be feeling the pain just from the Saudis and the Russians you know, in, in their deal, but right. the coronavirus is what is going to make it impossible for the even the old market to to recover if if the whole right. economy is torn. Right. That's what I'm saying right. is the coronavirus. No, right. Yeah. So I. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the so if you remember old Stone Cold Steve Austin, he kicked in the crotch and gave the Stone Cold Thunder. <laughs> they gave they you know the Russians gave us the Russians and Saudis gave us the crotch kick, and then the coronavirus came and gave us the stunner. And then now, now the Russians and the Saudis are curb stopping us because we're, we're out. You know, that's kind of that's kind of the, the order of how this thing's worked out here. You know? so, and uh, you know, they're on the they're on the turnbuckle call for the cold beers, and people in the crowd are just chunking them at them. So it's 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 bad. Um, it's bad. And so yeah, I do agree that you know we in a perfect world, in a perfect world, you know, what you'd like to see happen. Um, is the Saudis and the Russians 
decide that they're going to, you know, they just can't make money. You know, there's reports of, you know, we're going to store all this oil at and stuff like that. And that's part of what Jurgen is referring to. So, hey, um, you know, what are we going to do with all this oil? Where's it going to go? So the Russians and the Saudis come out and say, you know what? Okay. There's just nowhere to put all this oil. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to scale this thing back. Okay. Well, that would be, that'd be a good, nice step to help the price. But as you mentioned, that doesn't, that doesn't have nothing to do with the 10 to 15 million barrel per day four to eight, over the four to, week, uh, four, to, four to eight next weeks coming off the market. It has nothing to do with that. Like that's, so you still got to deal with that. Um, and then the problem is, is how fast does the economy get back up to using, you know, it's a 15% drop in the global demand. Well, how, how long does it take before we reconsume that 15%? Um, now the things that are helping it is, you know, like we talked about companies are dropping rigs and all this stuff. So there are things that are helping it. It's just that, you know, we are, we're a long way to, to get back to where we need to be. And I don't know, um, you know, with this kind of buildup, I'd be curious to see what the, uh, EIA is reporting and what some of these storage numbers are reporting are, because, you know, um, it's going to take a long time to, to do it. My, I do think, final thing I'll say on this is. And the signs have been coming out of China to kind of back me up. I said this a few weeks ago. I think the Chinese are going to take the, trying to take the lead here and really pump into their economy everything they can do to um, to revitalize it for a lot of different reasons. But um, the question is going to be is, you know, can that last if no one else, if people aren't really buying from them in, in mass quantities? So it's a lot of things involved here. But, uh, but yeah, it's bad spot, man. Get, get a, give me a good positive article, just one. Just well, one. Well, well, we're about to run through our uh, our Texas roundup. Let's see if Stephen the intern intern can uh, maybe stick one good thing in here. Uh, something something chipper. I think there's something in there that's not related to coronavirus. It's like an earthquake or something. So we'll we'll hit that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So oil crash could delay investment and energy transition. Uh, a lot of people. We we had. Our position, Ryan, was that uh, cleaner uh, renewable energy were, was a good thing to pursue, but that unlike many of the idiots that we uh, <laughs> argued with, uh, the the best way, the best path toward the energy transition was uh, maximizing uh, our dependence on oil and using the resources and, and energy that oil provided to, I say oil, oil and gas, to generate technology that would allow us to move in that position and move in that direction. So what they're seeing here is one of the things that we were saying is that oil and gas is the key to the energy transition. Wait, 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 wait. Do you mean that we can't function as a society without oil and gas? It's almost That's, like you have to live like a, like a, oh, you'd have to live like a, um, Eskimo. Amish, an Amish Eskimo, Amish. maybe. I don't want the Eskimos to live like, but Amish for sure. If you didn't have oil and gas, it's so weird. So yeah, weird. now they're like, well, now that we can't go uh, use our big buildings of technology without oil and gas, um, we realize that oil and gas is the necessary stepping stone to get where we need to go. Maybe we should stop railing on people that are providing the necessary energy source in order for us to do our research in order to make these advancements. So um, I wanted to just kind of throw that in there. Uh, that that's that's a feel good story. It's like at least it's like well, I say it's a feel good story. It's not really a feel good story, but it's like they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are in rear form today. 
rare form. Pioneer CEO, super majors prefer all the independents to go bankrupt. We talked about this a few times, um, just just putting it out there where super majors may see this as an opportunity to increase market share. Um, basically what, what the Saudis and Russians are trying to do. Oil companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, let's just pause real quick on this one. Is this a shock? No. Like, haven't we said that we think that over the next five, five, 10, 15 years that you're going to see M&A that trends towards larger conglomerates? You know, and, and so, uh, you know, in Sheffield, you know, um, was just out here the other day talking about we should join OPEC, wasn't he? Wasn't he the one that said that? Is that, did I, I get my guy, I'm going to get my guy wrong here. Say that again? Doesn't, um, uh, didn't is it Sheffield that said that we we should join OPEC? Is it was it or is I'm, I'm gonna get my wrong my CEO's wrong here? Could have sworn someone sent me something about that. Did y'all y'all hear that? I saw something. It was uh who said we should was it? I thought it was sitting. Was it sitting? Was he doing the meeting? Well, I was sitting. I don't, talking about going over there or something. Yeah, I don't remember nonsense. which CEO it was. Uh, hold on. I know who sent it. Let me pull it up here. See if they sent me the article with it or not. Oh no, that's uh, just sent me the quote. But yeah, he said. Uh, I don't. So let me let me let me back off that. Maybe it wasn't him that said it. But someone someone sent me things that he said. But I don't I don't see. Uh, I can't find an article here. Um, but you know, Sheffield's interesting because he said that um, you know this is the same guy just a few months ago that said that basically if you're investing in companies that aren't. Flare uh, that are or that aren't not that they haven't stopped flaring. You should pull your money, right? That's the, that, that's that guy, huh? Mm. And so now, now he wants the government to step in and do something. Well, maybe, maybe I mean, it's a thought here. Maybe you shouldn't invest in companies that could get, you know, hurt by downturns. Like, you know, maybe you should do that. Of course, he wouldn't go with that because that doesn't fit the narrative. So, you know, I and of course. You know, it's hard for any company to survive this, but that's the whole point. It's like, you know, it's funny how when things are going your way and the legislation is going your way, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you know, y'all shouldn't invest in those guys. But then when someone comes out there and starts curb stomping you, it's like, oh, well, someone needs to fix this. This isn't right. So I just, you know, whatever. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that, all that rhetoric. Listen, and I'm not saying this, uh, I've made this very clear on, on Energy Week. Yeah, I'm not some arbitrary Bloomberg analyst who's not tied to the, I mean, this is affecting me my wife, my four kids, my employees, it's affecting me. So it's not like I'm just sitting here going, Hey, you know, you know, the, you know suck it up guys. No, it, it, it's real for me. And so it sucks, but I just, I, I believe in the economics and the morals in which I believe in, and I'm not going to change them just because it gets bad. Uh, so, um, but it is interesting that Sheffield was just, just the other day saying, well, if your companies aren't, you know, they're not, uh, if they flaring, yeah, they should. The investors should pull out of them. Well, maybe, folks. You know what? This is you're gonna get me rolling here, Josh. You're gonna get me rolling here. And I, didn't, I was doing good. I was doing good. Here it comes. I'm gonna. Oh, Sheffield. Woo. 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 All right. All right. I'm not gonna say it, my man. I'm not gonna say it. But we know. We both know. We know what you're doing. You ain't fooling me. To our folks that work at Pioneer, we love you guys. Uh, nothing but love, but your man Sheffield is going to get your boy fired up. Let's go on. Let's go home. I can't. <laughs> mm. uh-huh. mm, mm, mm. 
Oil companies cut. No, hundreds. we ain't going on. We, I mean, how can you possibly sit there and tell folks to invest in another company when they ain't meeting your regulations, but then when someone comes in and debos you, you want someone to help you out? Like, how can you do that? Like, what am I missing here? Seriously, what am I missing? Like, this dude was just the other day saying, well, if you ain't meeting the flare inspects and investors should pull the money. He was calling for investors to change companies. Well, maybe Sheffield investors should pull out a pioneer and invest in the, the majors because the majors are the ones, according to your own mission, who are going to make it. So maybe investors should only invest in companies that are going to last longer than you. Maybe that's what should happen. Like that makes a lot of sense based upon your own logic. It's funny how when it turns against you, you don't seem to have that same opinion, which is exactly what we pointed out that day. It's exactly what I'm pointing out this day is that you come out and you say this stuff and it is stupid. It's stupid because you don't believe it. I don't believe it, but you, you have a platform because you're the CEO of a big company and people go, Oh, wow, that's, that's, that's really profound. No, it is stupid. And you know, it's stupid. And it's, and we have people who are losing their jobs, people who are suffering right now. And you're out here saying stupid stuff. I don't know if it's because you're a moron. I don't know if it's because you're a liar. I don't know what it is. Or maybe you, yeah, no. mm. but if you want folks to invest in your company, then maybe you should learn to compete with the majors. Maybe that's what you should learn because that's what you're telling me. Well, I don't know why you get me fired up like that. Stephanie, the intern. <laughs> Stephanie, the intern. I was doing good until you did all that. <laughs> so much for me being the good. one out of source today. Oh, I was, I was good. I was good. And then you, you got me all fired up. Well, uh, you mentioned people getting laid off around oil companies cut hundreds of jobs in Texas and New Mexico. So 3,500 person furlough, uh, was added to by, uh, Apache. Uh, let's see, 3,500 person furlough that oil field services, John Halliburton announced last week as the price of oil plunged. Apache. Uh, there's another article we're going to get to where they're down to zero rigs in the Permian right now. Uh, so people are feeling mm. the effects of the layoffs. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. it's happening. We're at the I think the the worst part of the worst. Uh, there's another article. Pipeline operators ask oil companies to stop production as storage fills up. Uh, this was uh, released by Sergio on March the 29th. So that was yesterday. So pipeline operators ask oil companies to stop production as storage fills up. So that's that's not good news for the EMP companies for sure. Pioneer Natural Resource CEO warns independent oil companies. We already done that one. Uh, Ryan's kind of. Oh, you see, here you go. You try to sneak it back in on me. Yeah, Don't sneak it back in on me. I was doing good. I was doing good. I was making fun of you. And you had to bring up the Pioneer nonsense oh, so chevron ceo says the dividend is the company's number one priority and is very mm -hmm. secure um so like like old sheffield said the super majors they're they're handling stuff pretty well they're going to make it through um and and then then they have their priorities you know on the dividend so that their investors stay you know, stay happy Oxy enacts pay cuts amid deeper budget cuts. So we talked about Carl Icahn and uh, Vicky Holub. Hey, hey, time out. What podcast, what podcast called it that he was going for board seats before anyone else did? Oh, oh we huh? called that early Holla at your on. boys. Holla early at your on. boys. Yeah, that was funny too, because we, we did it and it was like, you know, it wasn't 10 for a hat, but we were we were looking at it. It's like, yeah, he's he's definitely 
He definitely got. He's a smart man. He's a smart man. He's a billionaire for nothing. He's a billionaire for nothing. That's right. That's right. Uh, so if you, Mister Icon, if you want to, uh, to send a check for, I don't know, for support or getting the will of the people behind you or whatever. But I feel like we contributed on some level. I feel like we had something to do with it. Right. Yep. Yep. I think uh, we we put it out before anybody else. Uh, we were definitely the first ones talking about it. So you yeah. get credit. I mean, chances are uh, Trump heard it, told him he thought it was a good idea. He probably, he probably didn't even think about it until he heard the podcast. He's like, mm, oh, that's God, what that's what I should do. Yeah. That's and then I just save do. himself from from getting you know legal liability. Uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. didn't come on the show because he – Right, right. Make, makes, makes perfect sense. <laughs> A uh, record 5.0 magnitude earthquake hits near Permian Basin Town. So a record-setting 5.0 uh, earthquake hit near town Orla, Texas on Thursday morning. That is just south of Carlsbad, uh, west of uh, Midland. So, uh, yeah, Hey, real quick, if we've got someone out there in the Orla area listening, I am curious because you remember when we were in school growing up, Josh, people would talk about her, uh, not hurricanes, earthquakes and the impact, like it would, it would deteriorate the buildings and – you know, they had the buildings on the rockers and you remember all that stuff when we were in school. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, you know, because I'm assuming that Orla isn't made for earthquakes. What impact, if any, is it having on the houses and the buildings out there? So if you're out there, uh, you know, in that area and you, you know, if, if you, I'm just curious, is it, are you seeing the deterioration of, you know, and uh, you know, the homes or the small build, business, business offices or whatever? I'm just curious what's going out there because, um, you know, you remember, you know, like obviously San Francisco is a lot different than, Orla is not the same, but I am just curious if they're seeing uh, those kind of impacts or if there's any impacts at all. Hmm. All right, next article, rising demand to repurpose produce water fuels XRI's growth. So this article is about uh, agriculture and produce water, uh, those sectors um, coming and working together. Uh, So we'll have it in the show notes if you want to do some more follow-up on that. Uh, let's see. This article is currently loading. Apache makes z- uh, deeper cuts while its Permian Basin rig count goes to zero. I referenced that just a little earlier. So not good news uh, for Apache and especially for the service companies that are working for Apache in the Permian. So very bad. Following- yeah, this, just, this just came up, Josh. It's probably not. It just came up this morning. Um so I'll read it here. Uh, Devin, I got this from Speakner, and then let's look it up. Devin Energy provides revised 2020 capital expenditure outlook and hedge update. Um, this is from their newswire. Devin Energy Corp today provided updates, da 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 da. Based on current market condition, Devin has elected to further reduce its capital expenditures by an additional $300 million for the full year of 2020. The revised capital outlook of approximately $1 billion represents a reduction of nearly 45% compared to the original company's 2020 capital budget. So recap, they're going to reduce by 30 more million with the M, uh, which is a 45% of their original capital budget um, reduction from when they started this thing. The 30 million, the 300 million uh, of incremental capital reductions will be driven by the deferral of activity in the Eagleford, uh, improved capital efficiencies in the Delaware Basin and lower costs, lower service costs pricing attained across the company's asset portfolio. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Sorry, just got this in. Hedge uh, makes this one. 
As it previously disclosed on March 19th, the company has approximately 80% of its estimated oil production in 2020 protected at an average floor price of 45. Additionally, Devon has secured hedges on approximately 40% of its estimated natural gas production at 235. So we'll link to this in the show notes. You can see this just, just came out. Speaking and actually texted me right before we got on the show and I forgot to look it up. So Devon's cutting more. And so folks, mm. it's out there just, uh, Keep your head down. It's it's, yeah. it's tough. So yeah, I told somebody that works out in the field. Uh, they were applied for a job with Slumberjay and looked like they were going to get it, and then it got shut down. Um, you know, it was right when this uh, right when this coronavirus stuff started to, to escalate, and then the Saudis met and they called they called him back and said, "Nope, can't can't do it anymore." So people are feeling it right now. Uh, it's it's bad news. Uh, yeah, falling. And, oh, sorry, Josh. I was gonna say on that real quick. Um, Texas Long Guest Podcast. We've got a few resumes up, so folks, if you're not on the email list, be sure to sign up for that. And uh, TexasLongGuestPodcast.com/slash/resumes. We're posting them there as they come in. So, all right. Article. Last article. Exploration firm Block Energy agrees to acquire Schlumberger subsidiary. Uh, let's see what Rustavelli Company Limited, which turn holds three production sharing contracts. Uh, so we'll link this in the show notes. So Summer Jay's uh, unloading some of their subsidi- uh, at least one subsidiary company. So uh, if you want to check that out, that might be of interest to some of our listeners. We'll have that in the show notes. And with that, Ryan, I think that uh, I think that wraps us up for today. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks uh, for Clement Fluids for having us on. Uh, link to the economic books are in the thing. And folks at Pioneers, we love you. Just get your man to quit to quit just talking on both sides. We love you. We love you guys out there. It's tough. If you're looking for a job, be sure on the email list. We will we are sending those out uh, every Wednesday or Thursday now. And so um, you can you know maybe find a job there. Or if you're hiring, let us know. We'll be sure to conclude that as well. Um, and We'll be back next week. I was so excited about today. It's like, okay, here we go. Let's get into this. Let's do it. And then Josh just drug me down into the mud. He drug me down in the mud. And then Sheffield just, you know, he just, anyways, he made a chair. So, listeners, thank you as always. And until next time, keep it going.